Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beeman, and I'm here with Jason Belk, longtime listener and supporter of the show. Hello, theorists. So uh, Zach is out of town this week, and Jason uh, graciously agreed to come on the show and talk about the streets of New Capenna with us. So the the full spoiler is out. We're going to be going through the commanders in this episode, and then we're going to have a separate episode where we go through all the main deck cards uh, and, and talk about their applications in the commander format. But before we jump in, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we're going to start. Before we jump into the commanders, we're going to begin with the mechanics of the set. So we're going to give a brief overview of what these mechanics do. And just generally, if we think they are useful in commander and if we'd like to see more of them in the future. Um, So I'll start with Connive. Uh, This is uh, a trigger and it it has been used in multiple different ways in the in this set. But essentially, it means that a when a creature connives, you draw a card, you discard a card. And then if you discarded a non land card, you put a plus one plus one counter on the creature that connived. So. Uh, how do you feel about this connive mechanic generally? Is this something you want to you think is good in Commander, just without too many frills, or, or is this something you want to see more of in the future? What do you think about it? Yeah, I, I think once we see some of the specific applications of it, there are some instances where it's useful, and some instances where it seems kind of just like a limited um, buff. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think all those three things of drawing, discarding, filling your yard, putting counters on on creatures. They're all things you want to be doing in a lot of different strategies. So it's definitely a useful mechanic. It just depends on how you get that mechanic to trigger and um, basically what else your deck is doing. Yeah, I I think it's pretty useful. There's a lot of hooks to connect to this. Um, Like you mentioned, graveyard interactions, plus one plus one counter interactions. Um, I think that I think it's generally useful to be conniving and what really determines whether a connive card is good is just how easily you're making the connive happen and how frequently you're doing it um, but i think it is good i'll go ahead and talk about casualty then sure so so casualty um it's casualty and then a number so as you cast the spell you may sacrifice a creature with power of that number say power one power five power three for casualty one, three, or five. So as you cast a spell, you may sacrifice a creature with that power or greater. And then when you do, you copy that spell. Uh, <laughs> I think that's really sweet, especially since we've just gotten not too long ago the Strixhaven, a lot of Magecraft, looking for spell copying mechanics. And you know, having that taped onto a card that you can choose if you have the board state to do it or to not do it um, is really good. And then I also like that they have the, the knobs to be able to say, you know, Based on the power of the spell, they can tweak, you know, say casualty one, you want to sack a creature power one, one or greater that allows you to hit tokens. Or if you're talking about a more powerful spell, you, you can up that casualty count, so to speak, and then, uh, you know, be able be able to have a little more restrictions on that spell copy. Yeah, I think it's a, an interesting mechanic. Um, I like that it gives you sort of a sack outlet for the decks that care about that. There's also yeah. plenty of decks in the format that have naturally a lot of sack fodder or tokens or creatures that want to die so i think it's um 
there's a lot of places in the format where it's useful and it's just a matter of like the rate you're getting for the base or the rate you're getting for the the spell or the rate you're getting for the casualty version yeah uh I'll, i'll read off this next mechanic this is blitz so blitz comes with a cost attached to it and then you can cast the spell for its bliss its blitz cost uh, and if you do, it gains haste. And when this creature dies, draw a card, and then you sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. So it's a mechanic that goes on creatures. Um, how do you feel about Blitz generally? I it kind of reminds me of Dash, where where you're able to have an alternate cost, so you're able to have it also be used for commanders, which is nice. Uh, but on the other hand, you also now have to sacrifice it. Um, so at least you get a death trigger, but then you also get a draw a card trigger. So so all those things are things you want to be doing with creatures that you want going to the graveyard um so yeah i guess it it depends on what situations your deck is looking for if you want to see all those triggers but um yeah i think it's just kind of more a little more situational than than casualty in terms of mechanics yeah i agree um i think i like this because there's a lot of ways to build around it um for example, like if you have an Obeka brute chron- yep. chronologist list, like that way you can dodge the sacrifice trigger. Yep. Um, there's just a lot of if you have like blink effects, you can blink a creature before it would be sacrificed. Um, there's just a lot of ways to play with Blitz, um, and it's really it's just an option for how you cast something. So there's going to be times where the haste really matters, yep. uh, like. One of the ones we're going to be talking about soonish has like a pretty powerful activated ability. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's a good mechanic and I like that it kind of um, forces you to play. It's I don't think it's generally useful, but there are a lot of decks in the format that care about blitzing. For sure. Well, I'll go ahead and talk about the next one. So Alliance, which I've seen you have here marked also as AKA creature fall because <laughs> we have landfall. So when lands in the battlefield, things can happen. But Alliance is a, ETB ability. So we have whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, then Alliance is, is that trigger. So an example of that would be whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, double the power of a creature until end of turn is an example of one from Devilish Valet. Um, and I, I, I think this is especially powerful because it doesn't have the stipulation of non-token. So a lot of mm-hmm. times when we see a whenever creature enters, that they like to kind of put the guardrails of a non-token creature. Um, and so I think the fact that, at least from what I remember, all the ones I've seen are just any creature ET being, uh, as long as that's not some completely useless trigger, you, you can really farm that out pretty easily, especially given uh, several of the creatures and planes, uh, uh, several of the creatures and uh, commanders we see in this set specifically want to make a lot of creatures or are interested in having a lot of tokens and, and going wide. And so having these hooks that are then able to trigger off all those creatures coming in is a, a lot of good synergy. Yeah, uh, I think this is a really great mechanic. Uh, it's something that many decks are able to to pull off pretty easily. Like over the over the years, we've gotten so many really efficient rates on token generation, and so it's totally plausible to to have alliance trigger like three, four, five times a turn yep. in the right deck. Um, so I think this, it's like you said, uh, as long as the Alliance generates anything useful in commander, um, <laughs> you're, you're going to have a good time with these cards provided, well, you know, if you've got the right infrastructure. And I'm hoping something like this becomes evergreen. Cause I, I feel like it happens often enough, not, not all the time, but often enough that 
it's a good shorthand. So if, if, if this is something they use in future sets, kind of like we've, I know you guys have talked about and other people I'm sure have talked about impulse draw. They have to spell mm-hmm. it out every single time. Um, so, so having something that you're going to see mechanically often in sets, being able to template that and, and, and not have to fill up half the text box explaining it is good too. Yeah. And, and of course, like, you know, if, if the response to this is good, they might just bring it back without the alliance. Like we've seen dribs of drabs of what is essentially landfall, uh, yeah. you know, occasionally <laughs> in, in other sets. Yep. But yeah, great mechanic. Um, I'll, I'll read it off this last one or second to last one. Um, last new mechanic, I'll say. We got a returning mechanic that we'll talk about in a second. Um, so this is shield counters. Uh, and it's a type of counter that um, goes typically on a creature. And it says, if it, this creature would be dealt damage or destroyed, remove a shield pr- counter from it instead. So it's a way to protect your creatures. Um, and I am... I kind of like it. I I think there's these days we have a lot of ways to play around with counters. We can yeah. move them more easily than we could. We can proliferate them more easily than was the case, you know, five, 10 years ago. Uh, and this is something that is still going to be relevant in commander. It's, it's not going to be a catch all against all types of removal. Like you're still vulnerable to a swords to plowshares or something. Um, but I think that this is going to be, protect a creature from at least a lot of the removal in certain colors. Yeah. And, and I'd say versus something like a double strike counter, uh, which we saw in Ikoria, if you proliferate those, having two of them doesn't really help you. <laughs> but if you have two shield counters or you start can multiple shield counters on a creature, it, it actually helps. You know, if they have to board wipe a couple of times or find some other way to get rid of that creature. I play a good amount of Hearthstone, uh, mm-hmm. which I know might be a dirty word among some magic players, but basically <laughs> they have a mechanic called the divine shield, which is pretty similar to what we have here. And it's a really powerful mechanic in terms of making sure that you have blockers and resiliency on your board for, for removal. So, so I, I would definitely say that I think people who don't play Hearthstone probably don't realize just how much extra value your creatures get when they have even just a single shield counter on it. Yeah, and there are a couple commanders in the um, green, white, blue faction that come into play with shield counters on them. And it's really made me think twice about trying to fit extra proliferate into the deck because uh, it's it's great that they have this, this built-in resiliency and protection yep. and the ability to to further increase that and make it even more difficult to your, for your opponents to interact with you is awesome. For sure. And at least in my play group, I've seen a lot more board wipes rather than target removal, at least for creatures. Mm-hmm. And so assuming they're not exiling with farewell, uh, I, I think having a shield counter on it is better than having ward and pe- pe- even hexproof in some situations because you're, you're able to dodge those board wipes, at least for some of your key creatures. Yeah, that's a great point. So I'll go ahead and talk about the last mechanic, returning mechanic of hideaway. So we're seeing hideaway on several different permanent types of an example of one be wiretapping, um, which has hideaway five. So hideaway, if you don't remember, I think it was, was it Lorwyn or what was? Yes, that's correct. It was in Lorwyn. So, so hideaway is an enter the battlefield effect for permanent. And when it enters the battlefield, look at the top number of cards. So hideaway five, you'd look at the top five cards, of your library, exile one of them face down and then put the rest in the bottom in a random order. And then you have some type of trigger that once you meet that condition, you're able to, play that card for without paying its mana cost and so 
and, and this also gets around timing restrictions. I know I've seen in the hideaway lands, people playing a wrath in the middle of combat from the white one or, 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 or different <laughs> other situations where it, 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 it is really fun in commander because it, it makes you feel like you have something up your sleeve. Um, but it really depends on what that trigger is that allows you to play that card. Yeah, uh, I think it's um, th- this is it's worth noting that the mechanic has changed slightly since it originally appeared in Lorwyn. Um, originally, it was part of the rules that it was always four cards and that the permanent entered the battlefield tapped. And they played around a little bit with that in, I think, Modern Horizons 2. Modern, might have been Modern Horizons 1 um, with a, a creature that had Hideaway on it. But they've now they've decoupled those parts of the cards uh, from the mechanic itself. And so... Now it can be whatever number and it never uh, doesn't enter the battlefield tapped unless the, the rules specifically it has that rules text separately on the cart. Yep. Um, but yeah, interesting mechanic to bring back. We'll, we'll talk about the individual cards that hide away because like you said, it is very dependent on the uh, all the knobs, you know, <laughs> the, the, the costs and triggers. Um, but I think we can move on to the commanders unless there's anything you want to say generally about mechanics no and i think once we talk about those mechanics applied to specific situations it'll make more sense as well okay uh one thing i want to note during this episode and it's going to be true during the main deck cards episode as well um so for the commander cards or the the cards designated as part of new capenna commander the ones that are in the set boosters we're going to be talking about them with the rest of the set uh i to me, it just makes sense to include all the cards you can open in boosters together and then all the cards you open in the pre-con together. Um, but if if that if you would prefer a different organization, let me know. This is just what we've been going with uh, since they introduced these in Midnight Hunt. Uh, but with that, I'm going to read off this first commander. This is a set booster exclusive. Uh, it is Benny Brax Zoologist. Three and a white for a 3-2 legendary creature, Elf Druid. It has Convoke, so you can tap your creatures to pay for a single generic or one mana of that creature's color. Uh, And then at the beginning of each end step, if you created a token this turn, draw a card. What are your thoughts on Benny Brax? Wow. I mean, it's it's definitely, I think, the type of effect that we were promised white to see more of, of that that drawing a card once per turn, each turn you can farm that trigger. Uh, I, I think that there's definitely some neat synergies w- with um, a lot of the token making we're seeing in this set. And, you know, I think the tough part is going to be for mono white being able to untap on each turn, figuring out some way to to feed into that or keeping mana up. So we have Drum Bellower from the, the recent uh, Neon, uh, not Neon Dynasty, but Innistrad, the Spirits Precon which is a mono white spirit that allows you to untap all your creatures on each upkeep. I, I do really like the convoke on this creature because convoke synergizes with, if you have other token makers that are getting your board full already, you can both tap for colorless or the colored pips, which I ran into recently in a game night. The person didn't realize that you could tap for the colored pips too. And, mm-hmm. and even for creatures that are summoning sick. So, so the, those are a lot of, I think really neat synergies for what you're trying to do. And if you're doing mono white tokens. Yeah, so I have a sample list. Uh, we're going to link to it in the episode description. Um, but the Convoke on this is very powerful, but uh, in part because you're you're focused so much on tokens. So it's totally reasonable that like an opponent could cast a board wipe, and then on your turn, you, on your turn, you like conquerors pledge, 
and then tap those tokens and recast your commander and then draw a card that end step because <laughs> of Benny's trigger. Yeah. Like it's uh, in this style of deck, it's so easy to to pay little or no mana to cast yeah. your commander. I think that's super cool. Um, there's, I think it is a little bit tricky currently to farm the trigger on your opponent's turns. Yeah. Um, you know, there there are some creatures that tap to create tokens, but not a whole lot of them. And that still is only like one opponent's turns you're getting it on. You can try some like landfall token generation and Kraken fetches on opponent's turns. But in general, it's not that easy. What happens most of the time is you draw you you're almost guaranteed to draw your first card. Uh, and then beyond that, anything is just like a happy accident rather than uh, <laughs> something that's for, for certain going to happen. Um, and, and I'd say one, one kind of hidden benefit of a commander like this, that's it's not going to be so scary that people want to blow it away immediately. Um, and you're, you're going to be able to farm out that value. And, and I know Dana Roach had mentioned one of his podcasts saying something along the lines of that, getting that little dopamine hit mm-hmm. for when your commander triggers something and having almost like a little mini game. Um, not he wasn't talking about this commander specifically, but I think that these type of mechanics where it's enough of a hoop that you kind of have to work for it. Mm-hmm. And, and then of course, you know, drawing cards in mono white feels like a, a mini game on its own. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised at how easily I was able to, to maintain a, a hefty hand size with this guy out. Um, it definitely felt unique for mono white to have so much control over my hand size, which is yeah. super nice. Um, one last thing I want to say, and, and maybe you have more thoughts as well. Um, is just uh it i think a deck like this highlights the i would say like the deficiency or, or maybe the uh basically like with this type of deck um it's hard to get to a win from having a board full of tokens um like there's like when you have like 5 or or 6 or 10 token like 1 1 tokens on the battlefield there's not a lot of cards in white you can top deck and turn that into a win the way you could in say a green deck. Um, So I I think that I would love to see more types of, of designs like that in the future. Cause right now it's a little tough. For sure. Even something like a Chrome as well. Yeah. If you have flying double strike and protection from everything and you still have one, one ones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Unless you, yeah. Have some other way of capitalizing on that. It's yeah. Yeah. We appreciate the, the draws here and, the new things are doing, but we still need more. Yeah. And, and there are some things that like you, if you get them down first, if you get them down early, they can have a big impact yeah. like Cathar's crusade, divine yeah. visitation. Um, but just in terms of like turning an, an existing board state into something that people should be afraid of white is still very bad at it. Yep. All right. I'll go ahead and talk about the next one. Giada. Sure. I'm assuming the pronounced Giada font of hope is a legendary creature angel for a white and a colorless flying vigilance. Each other angel you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it for each angel you already control with a tap ability of add a white and spend this man only to cast an angel spell as a two, two. So I think this is pretty, uh, well, I think it's a significant upgrade over the previous mono white angel tribal commander. Uh, you know, I've, I've said for a long time that Lyra Dawnbringer doesn't really solve the the problems of trying to play mono white angels. Yeah. Um, Gianna, Giada um, gets closer to where you want to be. Like she comes down early and helps you accelerate out your angels, which is um, 
you know, it's, it's a considerable benefit when so many of your cards cost like five mana or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so that's pretty nice. Uh, I like the, the counter adding effect that really stacks up pretty quickly. Um, I, th- I think you are still hampered by um, limiting yourself to, I, I mean, limiting yourself to a card type. You don't have to run it that way, but um, I, I think it's still challenging to just play one big donk turn after turn in a mono white color identity where you're not particularly good at making mana. Um, but what are what are your thoughts on Gianna? Yeah, I I looked a little bit on Scryfall. There's only 17 mono white Angel Legends, and I really think this fits a niche that the other ones don't because. Uh, the next most the next cheapest one is four mana for Gisela, Broken Blade, or Winvala, Keeper of Silence. Mm-hmm. And it goes more expensive quickly up from there. So if you're doing mono white angels and you, you want a legend for it, I think this really helps hit you at the curve where you want to be for creating angels. Because I'd made a mono I'd made a mono white Morophon angel list based on what I saw on the CCO podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's really tough because you're basically dirtling just sitting there hoping to ramp for the first four or five turns uh, oftentimes because it's so tough in mono white to ramp and draw and, you know, do all these things where this doesn't help on the draw side, but at least it comes down at two and then you're able to the next turn tap it and attack. And then on top of that, so now you're able to, if you get your next land drops, you have two lands, let's say turn two, turn three, you have three lands and this you're, you're at the four range. If you ramped it all, otherwise now you're able to start hitting those, five cmc angels that you want to be casting or several smaller angels uh so so i, I don't think this is necessarily going to take over the format but i think at the very least it, it really gives an, an interesting lower mana value angel commander for for mono white angels that we really haven't seen before yeah that's kind of where i am with it as well i don't think it is the strongest commander but uh there are a lot of people out there who just want to play their angel decks and i think jada is an excellent or is a, a much better option than say lyra or, or some of the other mono white options we've seen yeah. and, and also it, it's a ability for each other angel you control it and it's the battlefield with additional plus one plus one counter it could also be used with some type of minor blink mechanic Mm. Um, I'm not saying you want to necessarily invest a ton of cards in that, but it, at least it doesn't have any cast triggers or, or it's just a simple ETB effect. I think that's a great point. Like um, if you have something like a ghost way or a semester's end, uh, it's useful in these type of decks as a way to avoid board wipes because you are committing so many creatures to the board, but it also comes in with that added bonus of, Oh, and also everything's huge when it comes yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think we can move on to the next commander. Um, I'll read this one off. This is Errant Street Artist. It is a single blue mana for a 0-3 legendary creature human rogue. It has flash, defender, and haste. And it has one in a blue tap copy target spell you control that wasn't cast. You may choose new targets for the copy. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Errant? Wow, I, I think this is really interesting, especially as a one. Anytime I see a one or two mana commander and it isn't just com- completely useless, I, it always gets my attention. So I don't know if this is necessarily something you, you have enough things in mono blue to build around on its own. But the first thing that came to mind for me is it's Defender and it's a zero three for one. So Ar- Arcades High Alert decks might be interested in it, but I don't think you're copying spells. Uh, I think it, it it is interesting that we we do have 
you know, uh, some really interesting mono blue legends that we've seen the past few sets that explore new design space. So we have Weir from Innistrad for casting things from your graveyard, flashing back, and then Jacob Hawken Inspector, which I've created a deck around as well, which allows you kind of a pseudo Golos ability um, in a much more <laughs> fixed way than Golos in mono mm-hmm. blue. So I like that they're trying new things. Um, I think copying a spell you control that wasn't cast is a lot of conditions. Um, and I, I don't know if we have a ton of ways to, to really take advantage of that worth building a deck around, but I'm, I'm sure that there'll be some interesting ones. Yeah. I think if you get to like huge amounts of mana and you have like some sort of copy effect and like an extra turn spell, the fact that you can just, uh, pay an extra two mana and get a second copy like you know take like three turns in a row that's you're getting to yeah. the point where like it's i mean that's pretty close to just winning the game um but that you know it does require a huge upfront mana investment and that is a tricky part of the card yeah and, and some of the different permanents that i would think of that would copy a spell that you could copy that copy um would be like swarm intelligence Jin taxes progress tyrant uh and Stuff like that, where, where you're creating these copies, and since this has flash and for one mana, and since it has haste, you can activate it as soon as it comes in. You can you can sneak this in pretty easily, assuming you have the deck that's already going to be doing that. I think this seems to work well with the casualty mechanic, which we'll talk about later, where you're copying these spells based on sacking a creature, and so this is going to be able to copy that copy. Mm-hmm. This next card is Mary the Killing Quill. It is, or maybe Mari. It's probably Mari. <laughs> Uh, so this is one black black for a three two legendary creature vampire assassin. Whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, exile it with a hit counter on it. Assassins, mercenaries, and rogues you control have death touch. And whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, you may remove a hit counter from a card that player owns in exile. If you do, draw a card and create two treasure tokens. Uh, so this is another set booster exclusive. Um, but what do you think about Mari? What are your thoughts? I I think it's been really interesting. It, it seems like they've been in the past couple sets having a lot more incidental graveyard hate on black cards. So we have Gisa, Glorious Resurrector, Lisa, and then um, as the white black Lisa Forgotten Archangel from Innistrad, Draugr, Necromancer from Kaldheim, and then Valentine from Strixhaven. Some of those are not mono black, but they are black inclusive two colors. And so having just that tacked on helps out, I think. So you don't have to have that extra slot in your deck for graveyard hate, where you're, then you're having the additional value of whatever the card's doing. And the pay, payoff here is really flavorful. I, I, I really like you have assassins, mercenaries, and rogues, and you're getting treasure and cards based on you know these being killed. And then also you have you, you get death touch for for all those different. So having a lord for something that are tribes that I think. In mono black especially, but rogues have had some support in recent years. But I know assassins and mercenaries are, are definitely new areas, and we've mm-hmm. seen some spikes on buyouts for, for creatures that are <laughs> in those areas, and like some interesting um, assassins and, and rogues and mercenaries that I'll mention just in case you weren't aware. There's 50 mono black assassins uh, such as Basker Girl, Big Game Hunter, Thorn of the Black Rose, and Virtus from Battlebond. And then mercenaries seem to be a little bit less deep of a pool to draw from. There's only 32 of those in, in mono black with doomed necromancer being the most notable one. And then I'd say for rogues, we have 122 of them, almost twice as many as assassins. 
with interesting ones like Zooport Cutthroat, Opposition Agent, Gonti, Dorothy Fordwalker, Varagoth, the, the Tudor Black Guy from Kaldheim, Rankle, and then the Morbid Opportunist. So, so there's, there's a lot of different death and killing <laughs> and, and already going on in, in these tribes. So I think that fits pretty well. Yeah, uh, I've got a sample list in the episode description if you want to check that out. Um, I really like this design. Uh, I, I think there is definitely enough of these three types. Of, I mean, this is a good idea for batching because I think it might have been challenging yeah. if it was any one of these yeah. um, tribals. But uh, I, I think altogether it works well. You can fill out a deck with lots of good options. I think the two biggest challenges to running this deck are um, Mari has to be on the board to both see the creature die and see you connect with the creature. So she really has to stick around a lot. And if your opponents can even kill her twice, uh, it really messes up your game plan. Um, and then also, this deck is very, very good at killing creatures. And at a certain point, your opponents are going to, you know, learn that, oh, it's I should probably just stop playing creatures because yeah. they're, they're going to die and then they're going to draw cards and get mana. Or, or, um, or you might not be playing against a matchup that has creature heavy decks. Like if you have an enchantress, and then like a control deck, and then a Voltron deck, you're like, okay, <laughs> see yeah. what, three creatures on the board the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that's something to be aware of. I think it's you have to maybe pick your meta to to figure out if you're uh, if this deck is going to do a whole lot or. But I, I think um, it is fun. It's strong. I like the design, uh, and but. I think your opponents may learn how to adapt to it by just killing Mari or or playing low creature counts or mm-hmm. just not. Uh, but I think we can move on to the next commander. Who are we going to be talking about next? Sure. We have Jaxus, the Troublemaker, uh, for a red and three. So four mana value commander, mono red, legendary creature, human warrior. It has an activate ability for red and tap with an additional cost of discarding a card. To create a token that's a copy of another target creature you control, it gains haste and, quote, when this creature dies, draw a card. So basically blitz. Sacrifice at the beginning of the next end step, activate only as a sorcery. And it has an additional um, ability of the Jax itself has blitz, which is what we had described earlier, being able to cast it, give it haste, sack it, draw a card, and then it's a 2-3. So 2-3 for 4 with an activated ability has blitz itself for 2. So you can either cast it for 4 or blitz it in for 2. And then the, the tap ability is discard a card in red. Uh, so this is an interesting design. Definitely looks like they're trying to fix Kiki-Jiki a bit. Um, I think that the color identity is a bit of a handicap here because what I really want to be doing with with having this like sacrifice trigger both on my commander with the blitz ability and on the tokens I create, I want to do something to cheat that. Mm -hmm. Um, But in mono red, you don't really have blink effects. You don't have a lot of good ways to, to, to really skip out on that downside, um, which I think is uh, a little bit unfortunate given that they, they're already nerfing the, the base effect of Kiki in other ways. Um, but what do you think about this commander? I like that you, you can blitz in for two. So mm-hmm. you can get this out early if you really want to. But I, I agree. Mono red with that sack at the end of turn clause, even if you draw a card. I made a perforos deck, the, the sneak attack one. And in mono red, you're really searching for, and it's hard to tutor for, your, your send out the infinite. Um, there's another red card that ends the turn. Uh, 
I think it's an instant or sorcery. So glorious end, not, I think. Yeah. So there's just not that many effects that allow you to cheat this. And then suddenly now you just have a bunch of big cards or cards that are sacked in the graveyard and a mono red reanimating creatures, unless they're artifact creatures, is, is difficult. Um, so so I, th- I think th- I, I like what this card is doing. I think we, we just might need, we need to see some more effects that allow us to abuse it a bit more before I think that it, it's really going to take off. Yeah, I, I will say that there are a couple neat things you can do with it. Um, you know, there are some like tutor creatures where if you copy, say, your goblin engineer or your imperial recruiter or your scrapyard recombiner, uh, you can then assemble some two card combos. Yeah. Um, so but but again, like that's none of those creatures are legendary. You could kind of already do that with a Kiki Jiki or something. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we've seen some interesting recent legends in mono red even things like delina wild mage rihanna fire dancer that are created copies of your creatures um i like that this sacks it at the end rather than exiling i believe i could believe those other ones do so you always see those, mm-hmm. see those death triggers and get the cards um but i, I have an obeka deck and this seems like something that obeka would want to see in, in their deck just a, another interesting way to create tokens of your stuff that you can end the turn yeah uh one last thing i want to say is um i do like discard outlets generally um but just being a mono red color identity the the mono red madness cards aren't awesome and as you mentioned earlier um like there certainly aren't aren't a lot of good ways to interact with your graveyard in mono red um i mean maybe you can like set up a big mizix's mastery or something but in general there's just not as many ways to make use of your graveyard than if you were in say like you know a white or a black color identity yeah are you ready to move on to the next one sure uh so this is urbrask heretic praetor it is three red red for a four four legendary creature phyrexian praetor for uh oh sorry uh four four legendary creature phyrexian praetor it has haste at the beginning of your upkeep exile the top card of your library you may play it this turn and then at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep the next time they would draw a card this turn, instead they exile the top card of their library, and then they may play it this turn. What do you think of this guy? I mean, first off, it wasn't that long ago we had just gotten a Praetor, as in the last set. <laughs> <laughs> so I I think Watsi likes to uh, have these little meta plays where they, they're trying to amp up the audience to get an anticipation for something in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had Vornklex in, in Kaltheim, and then we, you know, we had uh, Jinkataxis in Neon Dynasty, and then just the next set now we have Urbrass. So regardless of what this card says, I think it's a signal to us uh, that we're going towards something in a future set that is going to have Phyrexians. And we'd seen all the Phyrexians get eroded as well, I believe, last year mm-hmm. um, for creatures that previously had not been set as Phyrexian. So all, all that to say is... I'm excited for where this is going, but this card itself, it's going to be a bulk mythic <laughs> as far as I can tell. Like I, I have a, a prosper exile theme. So prosper is a busted commander. Uh, but instead of going down the treasure route, I'd figured there's so many neat things in Rakdos that you can cast from exile and just, you're going to get treasures along the way. Uh, and this is not even going to fit in that deck because uh, I already have Uba mask, which does a similar effect, but also instead of replacing just the draw step, it replaces all the draws. 
mm-hmm. and even Ubermask itself is not like super strong unless you're trying to lock people out because it basically stops the Drago players, but everyone else is like, okay, I'll, I'll just play that card this turn. Um, at least when I've had it out, people are not as upset as you'd think they'd be. Um, and, and I'd say, yeah, just the fact that this gives you one impulse draw and it stops the draw step for your opponents for five mana on a 4-4 four, four haste. I I don't know if I'd even play this if it was three mana. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> what, 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 what are they really hoping to accomplish here? Yeah, I, I totally agree. This is definitely a lot more mana than I want to be paying for this effect. It's also totally possible that uh, that the second ability, this this thing that supposedly hoses your opponents, it might not even do anything. There are plenty of like proactive decks in the format that are not going to feel the impact of this at all. Um, and so it's compared to something like Jin Cataxius, which is only like two more mana, the 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 burden of having an opponent with an Urbrask is mm, I'm not going to say negligible, but it's um, not very impactful, and it it certainly isn't a huge draw for for playing Urbrask. Um, I, I agree. I, I think you could shave several mana off this to make it more a little bit more interesting. But right now, like. You know, Urbrask was the weakest of the previous cycle yeah. of craters, and it's looking like the weakest of this cycle yeah. as well. So very unfortunate. I can see why he got his ass kicked by Elish Norn. <laughs> yeah, it almost makes you wonder if like they changed it the last minute design because they were worried to break something. So it, 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 yeah, it, it just seems too weak. I, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, but let's move on to uh, the first of our multicolor commanders. Um, this is Keza, I'm going to say, Augur of Agonies. It is one white, blue, black for a 3-4 legendary creature, Cephalid Advisor. Whenever you draw a card, target opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Uh, well, there's there's some combo options with this. You've got, uh, you can potentially kill the table if you have something that draws you a card whenever you um, you gain life. So that would be something like a Drog Skull Reaver, a Lich's Mastery, a nefarious lich or a lich. Uh, the only condition is that you have to have more cards in your library than total life among your opponents. Otherwise, you're going to mill out. Um, but what what are your thoughts on the card? How do you want to play this commander? Yeah, I, I'm excited that this gives Esper a, a new direction to play with. Drawing and training. I mean, yes, you can combo. Yes, there are lines of play that you could just blast somebody with... with, with uh, Pure into the abyss, but when when I first started into Commander, one of the decks I wanted to play was Aloro, as probably mm-hmm. most Commander players like, oh, you you can just gain life, and then if you play it, you can draw cards and gain life and, and do things, and and I I feel like that's I, I like that this Commander enables that play pattern, that direction of of deck building without having to use Aloro, so you're able to play with life gain, life loss, and drawing cards but also commit to the board with an actual commander. And, and also it doesn't have any stipulations. It just says whenever you draw a card, target opponent loses one, you gain one. Uh, so it's, it's it's not once per turn. It's I mean, it is target opponent, so you, you, it's not each opponent, but still. I, I feel like drawing in blue and black is not that hard. You have Ristic Study, Mystic Remora. Though I think the first thing I thought was like, oh, Necropotence. And I looked at the way Necropotence is worded. And doesn't actually 
draw you the card, so I don't think it would trigger yeah. this because it exiles it face down. You put it in your hand. Uh, not to say Necropodes is wouldn't be bad in this deck, but I, I think if you're trying to farm that trigger, it's not as good as something like Well of Lost Dreams, Villas Broker of Blood, Neza Hull. More in the higher mana range would, would be fun ways to to get a lot of life in cards. Yeah, uh, you could do something like a, a Necrologia, maybe. Yeah. Where um, you know, you pay you pay five mana during your your end step, and you can pay X life to draw X cards. But again, like you know, there's a lot of ways to just do busted stuff with because <laughs> I don't. Uh, we don't need to list them all out here. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting direction. Um, if you like drawing cards and draining folks, uh, this will do a lot. And um, yeah, I, th- I think it's a, a pretty neat commander, especially at an uncommon. Yeah, yeah, an uncommon is it's definitely not going to be expensive. Um, and it's only four mana. And uh, the, the one the one caveat I'll give is that after Commander Legends came out, I built an Elgath and Kaidel deck, which basically Elgath allows you to turn Scry into draw, and Kaidel gives you mana based on how much you've drawn. And, and it just felt that at least that deck in Simic felt a bit repetitive and and just just draw your deck, boom, you know, it's, mm. there's not much to it. So I think this is a little more interactive in that your your win con is not just lab man, <laughs> and, <laughs> and and so at least you're draining people out. And there's more triggers and hooks that you can work with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and especially like if you are going the lich route, that is, uh, there's a significant drawback in that your opponent can remove that. Uh, it's going to go very badly for yeah. you. Um, but do you want to move on to the next commander? Sure. So we, we have Rafine Scheming Seer, which is white, blue, black for a legendary creature, Sphinx Demon, as a mythic. Flying Ward 1. And whenever you attack, target attacking creature connives X, where X is the number of attacking creatures. So you draw that many, you discard that many, and you put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature for each non-land card discarded this way, and it's a 1-4. What, what do you think about this, Nick? Uh, so I... Well, I want to start by saying like i've heard people talking about sage of hours in this deck but i don't think that's super viable um the fact that you're only able to get counters if you discard non-land cards means that like even if you have five attackers uh conniving five and getting five counters doesn't seem sustainable you're not going to be drawing five (laughs) non-land cards every turn um so I, i think this is Pretty interesting, though. I, I really do like this style of gameplay where you're committing uh, lots of creatures to the board. You're attacking everyone all the time. Um, you're in good colors for interaction, so you can protect your board with your counter spells. Uh, you can. There is potential to set up your graveyard potentially for reanimation if that's a direction you want to take it yeah. in. Um, although I think that that has a bit of overlap with Sephiroth, which is also in Esper color identity and, and also is doing the reanimation thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's just a, a fun commander. I, I like this style of gameplay and we have a sample list in the episode description. If you want to check it out. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I, I see this might be interesting in Alela or full provocateur because token decks, it doesn't say non-token creature mm-hmm. attacking. Uh, so you can buff your tokens, loot through your deck, and oftentimes Alayla throwing artifacts and champs and stuff in your graveyard. You have ways of recurring that. Maybe Verena Witch Queen might, might, might be another direction too. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, one last thing about that I'll say about this commander, that there's just a couple neat ways to interact with the, the connive. 
Um, if you have something like a Teferi's Ageless Insight or maybe an Alhamaret's Archive that can double up your um, your draw, then you can start actually netting netting cards on this. Um, and then one other card that's really effective in this deck is Archfiend of Ifnir, which is whenever you cycle or discard another card, you put a minus one, minus one counter on each creature your opponents control. That's very, very powerful when you're discarding this many cards every turn. Uh, and then also Bone Miser is another card that can get you value as you're discarding tons of tons of cards. And and even not just for this one, but for all the connive ones, it was just the last set that we got Containment Construct as a colorless mm. two one. Whenever you discard a card, you may exile a card from your graveyard. If you do, you may play that card this turn. And so just keep that in mind whenever we're talking about these different conniving or discard mechanics or cycling. Now we have this way in colorless to basically have a little bit of graveyard interaction the turn of your discard. Oh, good point. Do you want to move on to the next commander? Sure. Uh, this is. Ooh, I'm going to say Toulouse. Uh, <laughs> Toulouse, Clever Conductor. It is hybrid white-blue, and then a blue, and then hybrid blue-black. Uh, it's a 3-1 legendary creature, Human Rogue. Whenever Toulouse enters the battlefield, it connives. Uh, whenever you discard one or more cards, exile them from your graveyard. And then when Toulouse dies, put the cards exiled with it into their owner's hand. Uh, so what do you think about this commander? I'm, I'm not particularly excited about it. The connive part seems almost like flavor text because it's an ETB effect. I mean, for a commander, ETB effects got to be pretty splashy for me to be building around it and, mm-hmm. and just draw a discard, put a counter on it once. <laughs> not super exciting for me. Uh, discard, whenever you discard one or more cards, exile them from your graveyard. And then when it dies, put them back in your hand. Okay. I mean, maybe I'll throw it in the 99 of a cycling deck. But we already have Containment Construct, which tutoring and getting artifacts into play is not super hard in a lot of colors. And so I, I, I guess I love the fact that this is a conductor and the art is really neat. And it's a 3-1, so if you want to skull clamp it, you can. But I, yeah, I'm just not super interested in it. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I tried building a, a quick draft of a deck with this commander, and it felt like I was doing a ton of work for not a huge payoff. Like, uh, <laughs> killing your commander is a pretty significant cost. Uh, and so even if you're able to to get a hefty hand under her, um, it just, I, I don't know. It didn't, like, it, it was just kind of like grinding value, which isn't super difficult in this color identity anyway. <laughs> you could be doing all this work to get, like, a new hand of seven cards, or you can just, like, play a necropotence or play a windfall or <laughs> something i don't know yeah blue and black don't need help drawing cards and <laughs> in, in this color identity of white blue black we already have Zer and sephiroth cycling decks mm-hmm. and usually they want things in the yard so this thing if you're it's even it's in the 99 it exiles it before it hits the yard so i yeah not, not too much more for me to say it is human rogue so i guess if if, if you care about those creature types it's, it has a lot of colors on it that if you care about having a lot of colors on your cards too yeah, and and also like there is the nightmare mode of like, what if somebody exiles your Toulouse or bounces your Toulouse? <laughs> like it is only a dies trigger, and yeah. if you don't have the the sack outlet handy, then things could go very bad for you after you invest a ton of cards into exile. Yeah. All right. Uh, you want to move on to the next commander? Sure. We have Cormella, Glamour Thief, for. Red, black, blue, one. So Grixis, one. Legendary creature, vampire rogue as an uncommon. Haste. 
one tap, add blue, black, red. Spend this mana only, only to cast instant and or sorcery spells. When Cormella dies, return up to one target instant sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand, 2-4. So I... What do you think about this, Nick? <laughs> uh, I like that they put a lot of um, restrictions on her mana generating ability. Uh, they easily, like the fact that you can't pump the mana from the ability back into the activation is nice. Um, the fact that you can't use this in conjunction with like a Freed from the Real or a Pemanzora is nice as well. Like just removing the opportunity for. Uh, one card combos is kind of sweet. Yeah. Um. So so kudos to the designers there. Uh. I think this is pretty interesting. It's good at accelerating you to big splashy spells. If you cast this on like turn four or or maybe turn three with acceleration, um, you could be casting like a seven drop spell the next turn, and yeah. and and that's really where this color identity starts to go off. Or it has haste. I mean, if you have even yeah. just one extra mana yeah it's yeah I, that's one of the things i really like about it is that as soon as it comes down if you have that extra mana somehow a treasure token something else you're, you're you're able to at least get that some immediate value out yeah she is very good at protecting herself that way like if you um have five mana and then you cast her and then hold one up she'll provide the the mana to cast like a counter spell and yeah. a you know counter squall or arcane denial whatever um so that's an, a nice little touch but um yeah if, if you're just like using her as a mana rock and trying to accelerate into something big like at seven or eight mana you get access to things like cabal conditioning uh some of the more expensive extra turn spells blatant thievery uh there's just a lot of boom booms you know you know there's so many things in like jaleva that would work well here yeah. as well yeah yeah one of the guys in our play group has a Tuleva deck and i think this definitely fits in there because you're, you're already doing a lot of instances and sorceries that are high cost fun things like i'm not who's augury and stuff like mm-hmm. that and even like big red spells yeah, I, I think this, this helps get you up to that upper stratosphere to have some interesting plays what was that one from Strixhaven where exiles from the graveyard and you can cast it when you when your creatures hit oh yeah like surge to victory yeah surge to victory i, I think would yeah. be a really fun that's fun in this deck uh, volcanic vision is another yeah. really good one yep uh, so and, and yeah Jueva and cast are the two ones that come to mind in terms of similar things in the same color identity and cheating on instant sorceries I, I like that it has more interesting lines of play or maybe just different uh, the other ones have their own interesting ways of working uh and so our patron moonsulite pointed out to point us to a twitter discussion that points out that cormella plus any mana producing sack outlet plus any untapped reanimate effect so come it back in bring it in it has to be untapped for it to be able to do its tap ability give you infinite blue and red mana mm-hmm. um and but right now we only have two effects that could do that type of reanimation of exhume and demonic gifts and so you, you do have a, at least two cards that you can tutor out if you want to make, make this into a combo deck and have that sack outlet so you know a three card combo is not totally out of the question for most casual groups but uh there's i think just not that many redundant options beyond those two cards yeah and and also you i think you are a little bit pinched on sack outlets too like you've got your astronauts altar you've got your phyrexian altar you've got your thermopod and then like what's the next (laughs) yeah yeah um but you know interesting little combo um you you at the very least um you know it's not too hard to tutor up 
artifacts or spells in this color identity. So something you could put together if you want that um, that big mana finish. And it is a vampire, which we have a vampire ward in, I think, our next commander. Yes. Oh, it's also a rogue. So if you want to toss in like a, um, oh, what's it called? A, oh, gosh. Um, well, any of the, the prowl cards like Knowledge Exploitation or Notorious Throng, you have that, up, that option as well. Okay, uh, but yes, I saw you were trying to segue, so I'll read off this next <laughs> one. Uh, it is Evelyn the Covetous. It is two hybrid blue-black, then black, then hybrid red-black, uh, so five mana total. For a 2-5 legendary creature vampire rogue with flash, whenever Evelyn or another vampire enters the battlefield under your control, exile the top card of each player's library with a collection counter on it. Once each turn, you may play a card from exile with a collection counter on it if it was exiled by an ability you controlled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast it. Uh, what do you think about Evelyn? I'm torn because I love that this play design that they've done in recent years where you can take out the people's cards, use mana of any color, and it, it kind of matches the power level of the decks you're playing against. Mm-hmm. Uh, but being able to form that trigger only when Evelyn or another vampire ETBs really limits the directions you can build this, especially considering it is a vampire rogue, like Grixis rogues. Like I feel like they could have just thrown another comma in there and said another vampire or rogue and <laughs> would have opened up a lot more lines of play. But I think at the very least, we have a Grixis rogue, I mean, sorry, a Grixis vampire commander that could help people who just bought a bunch of vampires last fall that are at least black and red and ha- and have something to throw it into. Um, mm-hmm. Or, or e- even there's not a ton of, I'd say Grixis theft commanders that are, are see a, a ton of play. And so, so I know at least one guy in our play group, as soon as he saw this, he's like, Oh, I want to build this immediately. So I, I think there is an interest there at least for this effect, even if it doesn't excite me personally. Yeah. I, so I, a couple years ago and, and listeners can go into the archi- archives and verify this. Uh, you know, I, I think I specifically called out like this type of card advantage where you're playing off of your opponent's library um, and spending mana as there were mana of any color, like felt really flavorful for Rogue. So you're totally right that they like missed the mark on this, um, especially I know that they like wanted to say that the maestros are like the vampire family. Yeah. But I don't even know if that like came through very strongly. Whereas <laughs> for me, like I, I noticed a lot of rogues just in the set generally. Yeah. But uh, I, I there's there's some things I like about this commander. I like that it has flash, you know, so you are able to cast her and then immediately get a little bit of value, maybe cast one of the spells you exiled. But um, it is, you know, it's a, a five mana commander. You have to keep it on the board in order to use it. Um, you can store up a big collection, but I don't know. It's going to be like a uh, yeah, weird. I, I wish the effect didn't require her to be on the board. Um, yeah. So, so there's that, but I, I do have to say it, it is fun, especially as a flash commander to play something that exiles the top card of someone's library right after, right after they vamp tutored mm-hmm. or mystic, mystical tutored or worldly tutored. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> there's, there's, there's very few. I, I, yeah. I played a game recently where, where it, I didn't flash it in, but I played, um, Tibalt and Valky, and I play the Planeswalker side where you up, I, I just uptick. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't need to remove anything. I'll just uptick. And I, and I totally forgot 
that someone had vamp tutored on their main phase in a previous turn. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, wait, before you activate that, I didn't realize I was going to have a land. I'm going to destroy that. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Yeah, that's why you don't vamp tutor on main phase. Um, but very cool commander. Uh, I think it it probably needed a little bit of tweaking. Like the, the vampire connection feels strange. Um, yeah, but if you want certainly another direction to take your vampire deck, um, this is an, an opportunity for you. It does generate cards rather than generating more like aggressive potential yeah. compared to Edgar Markov. Um, but do you want to move on to the next commander? Sure. Okay. Uh, have, this is. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I think it's your turn. Okay. No worries. Uh, we have Lord Xander with an X, the collector for blue, black, red, four, seven mana value, legendary creature, vampire, demon, noble. When Lord Xander, the collector, ETBs, target opponent discards half the cards in their hand, rounded down. When Lord Xander attacks, defending player mills half their library, rounded down. And then the third line of our questing beast here, we have Lord Xander dies, target opponent sacrifices half the non-land permanents they control, rounded down as a 6-6 for 7. Yeah, so I think there's a couple things you can do with Lord Xander. Um, It's worth noting that there are a couple ways to sort of complete the the mill out if he attacks somebody um you can have like a ruvac the grandiloquent to double the mill um you can also use a fraying sanity to get the the second half of their deck during your end step um so there's some ways to just potentially kill someone outright using that attack trigger and then you're also able to well you're you're on color for a lot of clones and cloning xander actually seems like it could be pretty strong um just having like a phantasmal image come in uh make somebody discard half their hand make somebody uh sack half their non-land permanence for i mean that's a pretty good deal for two mana well and, and i would say it does have a dies trigger so it, with the legendary clause if you're creating a copy of it you don't even need it for it to stick around suddenly somebody loses half their permanence yeah exactly um there's also you're, you're also on color for some like temporary copying effects and, and by that i mean like a, a twin flame type of thing or maybe a heat shimmer with red mana um you can also if you are able to fit some sack outlets into your deck you can also use all the cards like malakir rebirth feign death all these one mana black instants that just bring a creature back when it dies that's another way you can farm these triggers and and, and i i also like that you know, no matter what what you're doing with Xander, you're you're able to get some value out of it. For seven mana in Crixus, already color is hard to ramp unless you have a ton of treasure stuff in there. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah, whether it's entering the battlefield, attacking, dying, like chaos, the, the whole table is gonna feel the effect of this commander. And I, I think there's a certain type of player that just loves to feel that way in the game. Like they're that what they're doing is making a difference, regardless of whether it actually advances towards a win con <laughs> i'm not saying quite <laughs> chaos but like just somebody who likes to feel like their actions are making a difference in the table um and also just the flavor and the art on this as a mob boss collector is just really fantastic he's wearing this huge furry robe he's got this giant staff in his hands he has huge horns as a demon noble i th- i think there's going to be a good number of people who are just going to play this just because you feel like a boss when you throw this down the table <laughs> as your commander. And then if you have your own robe and scepter, that's just all the more to, to, 
to it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. He uh, certainly has a, a excellent sense of fashion. I'll give him that. And I'll, um, I'll say the, the last thing that comes to mind is it is red inclusive. So we have sneak attack lines that if this is in the 99 of like an Obeka deck or even just a deck that when it dies, it also, you know, target opponent sacks half their non-land permanents like ETB attack. Sneak attack. These are for seven mana cheating things in. That's usually what you want to see in those types of decks. Sweet. Good point. Uh, all right. Uh, the next commander is Mr. Orfeo the Boulder. It is one black, red, green for a 2 4 legendary creature, Rhino Warrior. Whenever you attack, double target creature's power until end of turn. Uh, what do you think about this commander? Uh, it's, I mean, okay <laughs> yeah, nothing really jumps out at me it's like whenever you attack you get to double one thing we already have something similar with Zenigos. yeah Double- yeah go ahead uh that's kind of where i'm at with it like it is very very similar to Zenigos. um it, its color identity is a bit broader so i think yeah. that's kind of the main advantage here um you do get some fun options like infect creatures that just there weren't a whole lot of them in the original color identity I think with this deck, you really need to be running haste granters because, yeah. you know, uh, Zenigos solved that problem for you previously, but here you want to not only trigger Mr. Orfeo more easily, but also just get your, your big guys swinging more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, Wolfgar seems really great here. He's the, uh, one of the commanders from the AFR precons that doubles up on attack triggers and has, and, uh, grants things melee. So being able to uh, being able to get two Mister Orfeo triggers makes it so that you're very close to just killing somebody outright with some of your bigger green and red creatures. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and th- oh, go ahead. I, I was just looking at Helena and Elena. If that'd be interesting, since being of combat your turn, put X counter. So this is whenever you attack. So I think Helena actually happens before Mister Orfeo. Because Gruel for Helena and Atlanta partners from Industry Crimson Power might be an interesting include too. Mm-hmm. At least to give your stuff haste. <laughs> okay. What's the next one? We have Agnes, the Dragon's Lash for some hybrid mana, basically four mana in red, green, red, red, black, red, one for four mana. Legendary creature, Viashino War- Warrior. Fun to see Viashino again. As a haste, when a creature you control with haste attacks, create a tapped treasure token for 3-3. So I think there's a lot of fun ways to build around this. Um, Amulet of Vigor is probably the best card in the deck that <laughs> basically untaps all your tapped treasure. Um, uh, there's, I think that like haste granting comes so cheaply in this color identity that you you can just run good creatures and rely on you know your your fervors your hammer of perforos etc cetera, etc cetera, to to give all your things haste and and make your commander work um so there's it, it's just a lot of like good cheap mm-hmm. creatures it is worth noting that um that like probably the most efficient way to grant everything haste is just like an entomb or an unmarked grave, putting an anger in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the probably the least investment in mana. I think you're just going to be playing a lot of good creatures, making a ton of mana. Uh, you need to have a good number of mana sinks or card draw effects. 
because in my initial testing, like it was just very easy to run out of cards with all the mana you were generating. Um, yep. Mana dorks are very, very good in this list because they are almost certainly going to have haste. So they're mana neutral the turn you cast them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of, honestly, there's a lot of tech in this <laughs> tech. Uh, yeah. Like, well, and, and it's nice to see that the design team's reining it back a bit. So if we have treasure production, or in this case, we don't have card draw on the commander. So you kind of, you don't have both sides of draw and ramp on the commander. Uh, so w- w- one thing I wanted to bring up is that at least in this color identity of Jund, we have Corvold and Shattergain that care about sacrificing artifacts and other stuff. But I think this might be one of the first Jund legends that gives you a steady stream of artifacts in the zone. Mm-hmm. Like, like black and red already have things like Reckless Fireweaver or Zorn to help you when your treasure's coming in. And then you have things like in- Inspiring Statuary to give your non-artifact spells inspired where you tap your your you could tap these treasures once again tap to not actually have to sack them cranial plating to to buff your guys academy manufacturer to just get tons of tokens and then nettle, nettle cyst i i'm putting in lots of decks that have any type of treasure just to make your dudes even bigger mm-hmm. uh so so yeah i i, I think in this color identity it, it does give a new direction and that there's even payoffs in terms of on a cult anvil from neon dynasty when you sack artifact you can Ping your opponents and create a token. Marionette master to drain people on the way out, and disciple yes. evolve does something kind of similar. So I, yeah, I, and I think that the, the tough part. I mean, I just listed off a ton of different cards, but I think people are probably familiar with most of them. I'd say that, and this type of uh, design for a commander that I've built decks in a similar way is the tough part is just the balancing act when you don't have have that many slots for all these different synergies. Where mm-hmm. you have ramp, you have removal, you have draw, and unless you're able to sneak some of that stuff in and have it double dip, um, I mean you are getting treasures tapped. So it's it's I, I think you, you really do need to focus on am I doing haste? Am I doing artifacts matters? Am I doing sack matters? I mean, the, 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 you kind of have to pick one lane and I'd say one or one and a half lanes and and, and go with that because if you do too many, it'll be tough. Yeah, uh, I have a sample list that we're going to post in the episode description. Um, but very curious to see how our listeners build this. Um, I, I I do want to highlight just a couple more pieces of tech. I, sorry, I know there's honestly we could talk about Agnes for a very long time. This is like a good candidate for like a deck tech episode. Um, but definitely want to echo Marionette Master being uh, an excellent card in this list. Like the the mana like six mana is not anything in this list like you have so much mana flowing around um and and just from my experience playing marionette master in prosper this is like a primary win condition this kills people so so fast I, in a in deck yeah, I, think, I, I think treasure. people misunderestimate misestimate how, how much damage you can just wipe out because t- if you put all the counters for marionette it's what four power and then it's yeah four it drains power. someone for four every time you sack a, a treasure mm-hmm and suddenly, if you have ten treasures, that's forty life. For some. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of, tre- of ten treasures, like Revel in Riches, of course, another uh, uh, potential win con for this deck. Um, and then, of course, like because you're committing so many creatures to the board, uh, and and really planning to to turn things sideways pretty often. Crater Hoof is an easy win condition for this deck. Like it's it's not hard to get to eight mana, and certainly not hard to find it in a green color identity. All right, I, I could keep going, but I know we've got a lot of other commanders <laughs> sure, to yeah. talk about today. Um, definitely look into Agnes. I think it's a very fascinating, fun commander. Yeah. 
let's see. I think it is my turn to read one. So this next one is Vazi Keen Negotiator. She is two black, red, green for a 3-3 legendary creature human advisor. She has haste and tap. Target opponent creates X treasure tokens, where X is the number of treasure tokens you created this turn. Whenever an opponent casts a spell or activates an ability, if mana from a treasure was spent to cast it or activate it, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature, then draw a card. Uh, I'll note that this is a, a set booster exclusive, but uh, I want to get your thoughts on this card. What do you think of Vazzy? I, I like that this has haste. So as soon as you come in, if you want to do the tap ability, you got that option. Uh, but it doesn't create any treasures on its own. So it's going to be a bit tricky to have the right mix of treasure generation and payoff cards. See it maybe as more of a 99 in the political sacrifice deck, maybe Vivictus as Mahdi. Uh, I'm sure there might be other ways of building this that I'm just missing, but I really like the design space of interacting with opponents' use of treasure, especially as treasure has gone from something they do every once in a while to it seems like an increasing amount, maybe just this set, but like more and more treasure is going to be on your tables and having something Mm -hmm. that whenever someone casts or activates ability from treasure, you draw a card and put a counter on something is a good payoff. Uh, Though I I tend to find people use treasure for big splashy spells. So they're not like dropping down three different creatures. They're usually just casting that nine drop in their hand and then passing. Yeah, I'm, uh, oh man, I, I don't love this commander. Um, I, I just first off, you're giving away a lot of value from the treasure tokens, uh, and it's entirely possible that your opponent will like accept the treasure tokens that you give them, and then kill Vazzy, and then use the treasure without repercussion. <laughs> like, oh, now I can afford that kill spell. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't love that. Um, and also, like. Your opponent can also, in in addition to just killing Vazzy, your opponent can just choose not to use the treasure. Um, that's especially like if you're, you know, I've heard people talking about playing like Viridian Revel and yeah. Fangrin Marauder and, and Summoning Station, all these ways to capitalize on your opponent's cracking the treasure you give them. But they can just ch- choose to not do that and then your commander accomplished nothing at all <laughs> yeah yeah i wonder if they if they could have even put a clause like they must use those treasures this turn or something i don't know if you can if, like game memory problems but that, that could have been a way to, to help force the usage <laughs> or, or like at the beginning of their end step they sacrifice an art of like something that'll yeah. force their hand maybe i don't know but um yeah and, and you can like sort of try to go the other direction and and you know oh if they're not going to use it then i'll just hit him with an emissary of despair or like use uh, the, the new vehicle in this set that generates treasure based on the number of artifacts your opponent controls. Um, but like, y- you know, even if you try to box him into a corner where it's like damned, if you do damned, if you don't, yeah. you're guaranteeing that like half your cards are not going to do anything. <laughs> well, and, and it kind of reminds me of the same color identity. We had that Jund legend from commander legends that uh, brought back mana burn. I'm blanking on the name. Oh, Yurlock. Yurlock, where at least the, I haven't seen it in the wild, but I've heard the feedback from people who have built it that like it's either sink or swim. So either, yeah, you've drained everybody out and you won, or you gave people a ton of mana and they were able to use it and you're kind of stuck up the creek without a paddle. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'd, I would be careful about 
the messing with the design space of giving your opponents things and then hoping they don't use those things to hurt you. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish that second effect of drawing cards and counters from opponents using treasure was just on an artifact or enchantment, even something colorless, because I, I feel mm-hmm. like that's something that white, red, you know, some of these other colors that struggle with card draw could really use. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it feel, certainly feels very white to like trigger off of your opponents having fun. and Yeah, it's like a, the new <laughs> tax. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to move on to the next commander? Sure. Okay. We have Zia Tora, the incent- incinerator for green, red, black, three, six mana, legendary creature, demon, dragon. I love that name, the incinerator. Mm-hmm. We have flying at the beginning of your end step you may sacrifice another creature. When you do, Zeatora deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target, and you create three treasure tokens for a 6-6. Six, six. Um, I think this is... I, I mean, I don't know if there's like a, a huge opportunity for build-around. Uh, all it really requires is that you have like some creatures to sacrifice. Even... like They don't even have to be particularly big i think if they're like three or four power that's going to be enough for you to kill something and, and get your value yeah um, kind of walker <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i like that it gives you that i mean i like that it triggers immediately mm-hmm. and that you could potentially like use that three mana then to protect Zeatora on your opponent's turns using perhaps like you know the feign death or malachir rebirth type mm-hmm. cards um so yeah, it's a big investment at six mana, but it recoups some of it, and then you can use that to to interact with your opponents a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I think this is probably going to see a decent amount of casual play, um, just because it is a dragon. People love playing playing dragons, and uh, p- you could also go like a threat and sub theme where you grab someone's creature, and then now you can sack it, and so you, you have a repeatable removal um, and ramp from there. And also like that, you are getting three treasures. Like the commander tax is two. So like, even if you don't use, even if you don't have in your hand some type of recursion effect, like you already have your commander tax paid for, which I think is one of the things that Golos, apart from tutoring any land, people liked about Golos is that half your commander tax was paid for. Um, and I don't know, it's another kind of more silly way you could build this. And maybe it would be like Brash Taunter Steffi doll effects where you sacrifice some beefy creature then you have, if you have magical Christmas land, fire emancipation on the field, you could blast your own brash taunter, triple the damage, and then reflect that back to somebody's face. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I think I also like that this is on the end step, and so you get that immediate value. So assuming that you have another creature and you just don't have an empty board, so you're probably going to run mana dorks and stuff like that, you're at least going to ping someone and, and get some treasure out of it. Yeah, uh, I I think it's a pretty neat commander, and uh, I am ready to move on to this next one, who I I think is very powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, This is Jetmir, Nexus of Revels. It is one red, green, white for a 5-4 legendary creature cat demon. Creatures you control get plus 1, plus 0, and have vigilance, as long as you control three or more creatures. Creatures you control also get plus 1, plus 0, and have trample, as long as you control six or more creatures. And creatures you control get plus one plus O and have double strike as long as you control nine or more creatures. So just to to put that all together for you, if you have nine or more creatures, your creatures get plus three plus O, vigilance, 
trample and double strike. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly like don't even think this is a creature. This is just a sorcery that says if you have eight other creatures, you in the game. Uh, you in the game. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's exactly how I built it. I've got a, an example list that you can check out in the episode description. Um, but it's just like how efficient, what are the most efficient token generator or creature token generators yeah. uh, in this color identity? And it's really pretty darn consistent at like getting all that together by like turn six or something and just uh, whomp, yeah, like killing your opponents. Yeah. And even if you have mana dorks, like suddenly now your mana dorks are plus three plus oh yeah yeah <laughs> i yeah i'd say a five four for four with relevant creature types of cat or demon with a questing mm-hmm. beast amount of text is pretty sweet i mean <laughs> the amount of words in this card is nuts um and i i think the other thing that might might be easy to miss is that the way it's phrased it says creatures control based on as long as you control three or more creatures, it doesn't say three or more other creatures, so it includes itself. So suddenly that reduces all those counts by one as soon as it comes out. And Vigilance, I, I think, is not something that's just a throwaway keyword, especially as the first one, because early on in the game, especially, like the chip-ins are real. Mm-hmm. And being able to have your creatures up for blocking and plus one, plus so, I, I think they could have easily put the claws only on your turn or only attacking creatures and this still would have been really good but the fact that it's just a static effect going around the table is really cool and you could even create a token in response to their attack and suddenly now you trigger the next level yeah, um, yeah. I, I i do want to echo what you said about vigilance like i this is you're in a green color identity and i just love 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 the gameplay of like swinging with creatures and then tapping them for mana post combat like feels like you're cheating it's so fun <laughs> and, and i'll say like these keyword anthems apart from even just the plus three plus oh that you can get at the top end th- things like Acroma's memorial garrick's uprising true conviction mm-hmm. even blade historian boros or berserker's onslaught and mono red for double strike they already see a good amount of play in creature heavy decks and those are all pretty expensive permanents apart from garrick's uprising so you're paying anywhere between four and seven mana for some of these effects mm-hmm. and and for this you're getting it for four mana and in white at least white and green there are ways to pull things back from the graveyard so you could help avoid the commander tax because at least if i saw this come down and i hadn't seen the deck before i'd probably just kill it on site or i'd hold up a removal of my hand until whenever it's cast because i'm like this thing is just gonna wreck face yeah this thing's a nightmare <laughs> um but yeah very very cool commander um gotta be gotta be the best option for naya tokens and, and, and like. even the the fact that it's a cat demon, um, mm-hmm. I, I think is is probably going to see play in Ren and Sari decks. Um, oh yeah, good point. Ren and Sari, you create a cat, create a dog. So suddenly now you have two tokens if you're cast, casting a changeling, and then you're already you're already on the first clause. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so yeah, I could easily see this in Ren and Sari. Um, maybe Girid or Boon also go wide with the eggs or your animated creatures. I mean, th- there's definitely other decks that not only as a commander, you, you could put this in and see a lot of good value. Oh, for sure. Um, what's that one? Uh, oh, God. Gahiji, Honored One. That's another one that's like also in Naya Color Identity, also runs a ton of tokens and like tries to go wide. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're, you're right that this is an excellent card in the 99 for a lot of mm-hmm. decks. Uh, all right, what's the next commander? We have Jenny Faye, Jetmere's second, uh, for three mana of hybrid green-white. 
and then a green, and then hybrid red-green. Legendary creature, Elf Druid. If you would create one or more tokens, you may instead create that many 2-2 green cat creature tokens with haste, or that many 3-1 green dog creature tokens with vigilance for a 3-3. Three, three. Uh, so I'll, I'll start by pointing out the combo. Um, so if you have a Requiem Angel, that, that is a 5 and a white for a 5-5 five, five flying angel. And it has uh, whenever a non-spirit creature you control dies, create a 1-1 one, one spirit. So if you use Requiem Angel and Ginny and a sack outlet, you can sack a creature. Uh, Requiem Angel triggers. It would normally make a spirit, but you can overwrite that with Ginny to make a cat or a dog. Mm-hmm. Sack that cat or a dog, and then Requiem Angel triggers again. So you get infinite sack fodder, and uh, hopefully that sack fodder can somehow win you the game. Yeah, yeah, even something like Perforos, Impact Tremors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're on color for that. I, I'd say this also goes well off what we just talked about for Jet Mirror. Um, creating tokens, suddenly now you're creating better tokens mm-hmm. with either haste or vigilance. Or Ren and Seri also love cat and dog tokens in the same color identity. And I, I think the way this is phrased is interesting to me because we just saw Chatterfang last year and I actually just built a Chatterfang deck and it I just felt I didn't even do anything aristocrats. I just felt I'm making making as many tokens as I could and it, it's still nuts. Literally. <laughs> um, and I, I, I like that this is kind of a fixed version of that, where Chatterfang, you get the squirrels and the tokens, where this is a replacement effect completely. Uh, and of course, Naya is on color for Parallel Lives, Doubling Season, Noin Procession, Second Harvest, and so on. Um, and, and I like that they do give you a little bit of choice here. So if, if you want to come in with a 2-2 haste, you can, or you can have a 3-1 that you could skull clamp on and get some draw. Yeah. And it is also worth noting that uh, it can replace any type of tokens, or mm-hmm. there are some tokens out there that come at a, a better rate what than to- creature tokens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like maybe clue tokens, maybe food tokens, uh, maybe, maybe treasures if, if for some reason you don't need the mana. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of ways to to get value out of Ginny. Yeah. And it's beautiful art. There's a really cute dog on it. Oh, yeah, I know. Beautiful. Uh, all right. Let's see. Is it? I think it's my turn to read this off. This is Rocco Cabaretti Caterer. X, red, green, white for a 3-1 legendary creature elf druid. When Rocco enters the battlefield, if you cast it, you may search your library for a creature card with mana value X or less, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Uh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Super strong. <laughs> um, so I, I gotta say, I, I think the path of least resistance is just using this as a combo commander. Um, if you have like a Panharmonicon to double up the trigger, you can just get two combo pieces at the same time. Um, although honestly, like you can just uh, do if you do it like just for one creature and get a um, Goblin Recruiter, yeah. you can stack your library with Conspicuous Snoop, uh, Kijiki, Mirror Breaker. And then uh, next turn, you can just play the play the Snoop, make a million tapped Snoops uh, with the very last one. Activate the the Kiki Snoop to copy the Goblin Recruiter, put a Mog Fanatic on top, and then mm-hmm. sackle your tapped Snoops and kill your opponents. So it's it's pretty much just like a one card combo in the command zone. You do have to draw the uh, you do have to draw the Snoop. But that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I I also love the flavor on this. Like he's a caterer, and Mm -hmm. 
you know, the, the flavor text says they wouldn't admit it, but some people join the cabaret just for the food. <laughs> and, and, and like the fact that you're casting this and it pulls something out of your library, it's like you've it's like that he's created this food and then your creature's coming to, you know, enjoy that food. Uh, that, that just came to mind when I was looking at this. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. Combo definitely seems like a natural fit. Maybe, maybe even CDH. I, I don't play CDH, so I, I can't speak to that intelligently, but I've built and played little CDH. And I think it's, it's always been tough for people who wanted to do secret commanders. What, what, what do you think about this as a secret commander? I, I think, I think that like uh, pretty much whenever you see this across the table from you, like you're going to ask them, like, is that a secret commander? And if they say no, then of course you gun for it. Um, but I think <laughs> that like commander is kiki jiki. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that like uh, it is super fun as a secret commander. I think that's like the most pro social and, and interesting way to use this commander. Um I, there's i've already seen like a, a lot of interesting ideas um you know zeta we, we talk about it all the time on the show i love that commander people mention like oh you could put zeta in a broader color identity like that yeah. sounds so cool that that's awesome um yeah uh also like tamanoa like is so popular as a like an unofficial commander that at one point it had its own edh rec page <laughs> so a lot of people have been talking about using uh rocco with that but do you, do you have any cool ideas for secret commanders? Uh, no, I, I haven't given it that much thought just because I think there are so many different directions you could go. I, I one another way is maybe like a toolbox kind of commander, like Sisse, um, mm-hmm. where you fetch out the thing that you want for the particular situation. If it's a removal piece, like a pain of progress, you can get that. Or, or if, if it's just advancing your own game plan, like a dock side, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you could get that. Um, and so, so yeah, I think I think that's another direction. Uh, but we already have Vanifar and Yisan that are green color identities that already have that toolbox theme. But at least now we have white, white and red included in that. Um, so, so I think it definitely opens up some lines of play there. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. Moving on to the next commander. Who are we talking about next? We have Falco Spara, Pact Weaver, for blue, white, green one. Four mana value, legendary creature, bird, demon, flying, trample. Falco Spara enters the battlefield with a shield counter on it. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may cast spells from the top of your library by removing a counter from a creature you control in addition to its paying its other cost, and it's a 3-3. So I think this is a... I mean... Anytime I see a commander with like, you can look at the top card of your library at any time. That's mm, that's automatically like a one card combo with Thought Lash. Mm-hmm. Um, so Thought Lash, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's two blue blue for an enchantment. Um, you can it has cumulative upkeep, exile the top card of your library, and then you can exile the top card of your library to prevent a damage to you at any time. So. If you have Falco Spara, then you have perfect information about what's on top of your library at any time. You can just act continually activate the um, Thought Lash and then exile your library until you see the Thassa's Oracle. Then <laughs> remove the shield counter from Falco to cast the Thassa's Oracle off the top of your library and then exile the rest of your library in response to the ETB trigger. Um, so the Thought Lash just wins you the game instantly with this as your commander 
Um, and, and it is worth noting that that's true for any blue commander that lets you look at the top card of your library at any time. So that's and, and uh, I'd add for thought lash, the cumulative mm-hmm. upkeep is not what you're worried about. It's the activated ability of removing the top card of your library to prevent the oh, yeah. damage. Because yes. I thought some people like complain, oh no, you have to wait for the cumulative. No, it's, it, we're talking about the activated ability. You're not worried about the damage prevention. Yes, uh, great you, point. You can just keep doing it. And that's a reserved list card for 13 bucks right now. So not saying it's going to spike, but I think eventually you know, every reserved list card is probably going to be expensive. <laughs> um, so yeah, th- keep that in mind. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, and just a reminder for people, the shield counter stops the next damage that we dealt to it or the destruction of it. So mm-hmm. when this comes down, not only do you top deck, it comes in with a shield counter so you can immediately remove it if you want to cast whatever's on top of your library. Or it just prevents the next board wipe for your commander, which is pretty sweet. And, and I, being able to cast stuff and look at your top card of your library is something that they've been doing with an increasing amount, it seems like, in recent years. Um, and I, I think we'll, we'll see this elsewhere, but like the reality chip, I've from Neon Dynasty, I put in every one of my blue inclusive decks. I mean, it's only two mana and I, I love it. It's overperformed every time I've used it. Uh, so it's a really powerful effect. I think even just in casual groups, like you don't need to be able to just combo off with this. I think just having a three, three for four that has self protection, flying trample, and then you can now just cast stuff from the top of your library. It enables Bant plus one, plus one counters or just counters generally in Bant where looking on EDH rec, there's only 242 decks in Bant with a plus one, plus one counter theme, which is hmm. tiny <laughs> compared <laughs> to like some of the other color combinations where we have 4,000-ish for Selesnia counters decks, 3,000 in Mono Green, 2,000 in Abzan, and 242 in Bant. So, so I, I think this actually enables a new strategy and a new color identity where previously there, there wasn't just a lot of good Bant creature-based commanders. We had Derevi, Chulane, Arcades, Rune that fit certain niches, but weren't really focused on just counter dudes or just generic creatures, you know, cast from the top of your library. Suddenly you're not in top tech mode anymore. Mm-hmm. And we, we did see Galela from the AFR pre-con that allows you to cast, uh, I think, auras and equipment from the top of your deck in the same color identity around the yeah. same cost. Yeah, it really feels like they're accelerating the pace of like these types of designs because, yeah. you know, we saw uh, Elsha a couple of years ago. And then in the past year, it's been Galea, the reality chip and now Falco um, just very I think they they have been enjoying minding this vein yeah. of design space. Yep. Augur Vodum, Realm Walker, Ranger Class, Conspicuous Snoop. There's, yeah, there's a, a definitely a lot of top deck stuff out there. And, and I, I really like that this helps enable a new strategy and a new color identity. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, let me is it, let me see if I have any other last comments. Um, oh, one last thing to point out. Um, there, did we mention Devoted Druid? I don't think we know. Okay, uh, so Devoted Druid is a very easy source of counters for this commander. Um, you know, not only will it produce pretty much all the minus one minus one counters you need, it'll also produce a ton of mana in the process. So that's a, a very good uh, synergy to explore. Also. Um, you can try doing Sensei's Divining Top combo if you have a creature that there's a decent number of creatures out there that like get counters as you cast artifact spells. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can set something up with Sensei's Divining Top, a cost reduction effect, and like a you know a patchwork automaton or daring archaeologist, something like that. So 
Another, and, and I will note that you can only cast spells from the top of your library, where in, at least in the green ones, you can also play lands. So mm-hmm. it's probably still worth having some other effect that allows you to play lands from the top of your library. So you, or, or, or something like top where you, you can filter around and scry. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if it might even be... If you're trying to combo off it, like you could maybe even consider like a mana severance just to get all the lands out of the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but okay, I, I think we, we've spent enough time on, on sure. Taco. Certainly a lot to do uh, with him. But let's move on to the next commander. Who's who's up next? We have Lagrella. The oh, man's Lagrella or Spanish Lagrella, mm-hmm. the ma- magpie for blue, white, green, legendary creature, human soldier. For an uncommon when Lagrea, the magpie, and ETBs exile any number of other target creatures controlled by different players until Lagrea leaves the battlefield. When an exiled card ETBs under your control this way, put two plus one plus one counters on it and it's a two three. All right, so I want to clear this up in like right now. This is not a plague when <laughs> it's it's worded in a super confusing way. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of people get tripped up by this, so I'm going to to reword this text box so that you can actually understand what the card does. <laughs> um, so when and I'm and I'm going to call her Lagrella just because I I think we're I'm going to go with like Italian pronunciation here. Um, <laughs> okay. When Lagrella enters the battlefield, for each player, exile up to one target creature that player controls, and then until Lagrella leaves the battlefield. And then when an exiled card enters the battlefield this way under your control, uh, put two plus plus one counters on it. So it's only one per person. Um, but it's very interesting that she allows you to target your own things. Um, that opens up some combo potential with Sun Titan, Angel of Glory's Rise, or Karmic Guide. If you put any of those under Lagrella and then sacrifice her, they will return to the battlefield. Their ETB trigger will reanimate Lagrella. Uh, and then you can put that ETB creature back under Lagrella. So you're you're back where you started, except you generated whatever your sack outlet makes. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a potential direction to build the deck is just trying to combo with that. But what are your thoughts on Lagrella? Yeah, I think apart from combo, at least for me, it doesn't seem that interesting of a commander as an ETB effect. And that's it. I mean, the ETB effect has enough text on it for my, my eyes to hurt. But I think newer players are going to probably avoid it just because it's worded in such a way that they're going to need to like build a flowchart. But I think having grasp of fate in the command zone that hits your own stuff, uh, yeah, it just doesn't really excite me personally. But um, maybe in the 99, if you have a blink deck and then if you have other combo things going on, it'd be interesting. Yeah, um, I wish... I, I I totally agree. Like ETB commanders generally not super interesting for me. Um but I, I wonder if there's a direction well it's okay, it's probably doesn't work that well because she's an ETB commander and so you need like some other engine piece on top of yeah. it. But like man, it would be fun to play like with processors in commander at some point and like putting your opponent's things in exile temporarily and then processing them sounds like a, a fun <laughs> It sounds like fun gameplay, but I don't think it's like super viable right now. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll read off this next one. This is Rigo Streetwise Mentor. It is hybrid green white, then white, then hybrid white blue. 
So three mana total. It's a 2-2 legendary creature cat citizen. Rigo enters the battlefield with a shield counter on it. And then whenever you attack a player or planeswalker with one or more creatures with power one or less, draw a card. So you can draw up to the number of uh, players or planeswalkers worth of cards per turn. What do you think about this commander? Well, first off, I haven't seen a lot of people mention this, but um, I think Arcades is going to be happy to see this because people are just focusing on the draw a card part and each player part and each planeswalker. Yeah, that, that's actually, that's really sweet. But I think power one or less, that's something that Arcades <laughs> wants to see in that color identity. And, you know, you, you already have things like Tetsuko and Wazawa in that color identity. If you want, as, this, as the commander, to give your creatures unblockable, uh, that definitely something reminds me of Edric, the one, the one where Simic, whenever a creature hits, you draw a card, is already a pretty powerful deck. But, um, I mean, this is definitely has a little more stipulations to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's, God, it's, it's I, I don't know if this is like, Mm, the best or like the most fun design space to keep mining, especially if they're going to do it in, in like similar color identities to what we've seen before. Um, Cause there is just like a lot of overlap between all the, the flying men you're running in Edric and what you're running in this deck. It seems like mostly what you get by adding white is just like white removal. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I mean, it's, uh, I, I think like the the coolest take I've seen on this is like, well, because it's hybrid, then that means it could just be a mono white commander. So I'm going to build it mono white, and that actually seems kind of interesting because that's a at least like a different suite of cards than what Edric is running. And it is in the color identity to be compliant with Kahira's companion because the commander itself is a cat. Hmm. So if, if if you wanted to go that way, but unfortunately, now I think about Kahira it gives your guys plus one plus one which might take him out of the power one or less range so next up we have the end (laughs) sorry i just realized that was the last one uh okay so uh this is going to be the end of this episode we're going to be recording another episode where we talk through all the main deck cards um including the set booster exclusive commander cards uh from streets of nukapenna and then Later on, we're also going to have an episode all about the cards in the precons, but that, that's come up a little while later. Uh, but before we go, I'm going to give a, a brief thank you. Well, actually, before we go, uh, so far of what we've of this crop of commanders, how do you feel about the set? What do you think about uh, the legendary creatures of Streets of Nukapenna? Yeah, I, I think the mechanics are all very flavorful. Um, they make a lot of sense based on the setting we're in in terms of these mob bosses and we have demons and angels. Like I, I think this set when they announced it was really hyped and, and, and just like neon dynasty, I, I feel like it's delivered. Like they've really, I feel like done a good job of delivering on the hype, for, at least for neon dynasty and this set. And I, I think that these color identities haven't gotten a lot of love recently. And I, I really like that it's enabling new strategies and like we talk about band plus one plus one counters. We had Lord Xander for and the splashy chaos stuff. Like th- there's just a lot of interesting directions that I think are going to make games fresh. It's, it's not just more of the same. Uh, yeah. I think this is a very good crop of commanders. Uh, I think, you know, I'm excited to build a lot of these decks. I, I had a lot of fun brewing for the, the sample deck list that we've included. Um, 
I think it's, uh, they did a really good job making it so that, um, a lot of these commanders are exploring their, their arcs, their, their, uh, shards design space, like from different angles. So they, they look, the decks don't all look the same, even though they're in the same color identity. Um, so I, I think it's really, really cool. Uh, I'm very excited for this set and, and for building a lot of these commanders. So great job, Wizards. Uh, and can't wait to see what all the precon commanders look like as well. Yeah. Okay, uh, with that, I am going to wrap it up here. Uh, thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Ryan, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, the Whiteclays, Hannah, Andy, James, Logan, Roger, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, John, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Jim, Emmanuel, Andrea, Vasilios, Logan, Frugabril, Carl, Oscar, Danny B, Daniel, Ariel, and Jean-Francois. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron, but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at commander theory. And on Twitter, I am at fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commander theory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, you can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think.